Good morning, everyone. Just a side note, for those of you who are already pulling out your tissues, you can put them away. This isn't going to be one of my emotional roller coaster sermons. But then again, I don't know what God has in store for us, so you might want to be prepared. I want to thank you for coming out today. And just so you know, that's not a thank you coming from me. It's a thank you coming from him who designed us, created us, and desires to be close to us. God is thankful that you are here, recognizing the most awesome work that he has done in each of you from before conception to now. Jeremiah was given from God these words, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. While God is speaking to Jeremiah here, we can take these words into our hearts as well. Hear them again in the Amplified Translation. Emily, as you're looking at David. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart consecrating you, and I appointed you as prophet to the nations. That applies to each and every person in this room. In this verse, we learn that God knew us before we even had bodies. And he saw that what he did was not just good. It was very good. In Genesis, we hear, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But not only that, we see that while we were formed and very good, God approved us. And before birth, he set us apart and he consecrated each and every one of us to his will. The last verse of today's gospel, Mark 3.35 for whoever does the things God wills is my brother and sister and mother. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless this time that you have created. Help us to set this time apart for you, to make it holy and to sanctify it for you. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to put behind us all the cares that we brought with us into this day. Jesus, help us to know the will of the Father, that we might do the things God wills and truly be your brother and sister and mother. Amen. One of the most common questions that I get asked is, how do I know the will of God? How do I discern God's will? What they're really asking is, if you tell me how you do it, then maybe I can do it for me. Unfortunately, I'm not really sure that's how it works. What works for me may not work for you. But I'm sure after we learned and we talked a little bit this afternoon, we'll find some things in common. 
most people will tell you that the very first thing that's important into knowing the will of God is to pray. And I kind of want to agree with that, but I have a problem with the word itself. I know many of you are highly educated, and you all know about Pavlov's dogs. A bell rings, and they salivate expecting food. I feel that the word prayer has become conditioned too, and that that phrase, to pray, has fallen into a type of psychological trap. When we say pray to God, I think that many, many people interpret that as asking, requesting, and complaining to God. It is all about us, it is all about me, and it is very little about God. So instead of saying, how often do you pray, how often do you communicate with God? Not how often do you speak with him, but rather how often do you have a conversation with him? How often do you exchange ideas with him? Thoughts? Or just plain chat with him, even if it's about the color of the cabinets? Mother Teresa tells us this story. There's a very holy priest who is also one of the best theologians in India right now. I know him very well, and I said to him, Father, you talk all day about God. How close you must be to God. And do you know what he said to me? He said, I may be talking much about God, but I may be talking very little to God. And then he explained, I may be rattling off so many words and may be saying many good things, but deep down, I do not have the time to listen. Because in the silence of the heart, God speaks. Or to put it another way, and the reason we have silence at the monastery, it is only when we are silent that we are able to hear the voice of God. So the first part of knowing God's will is realizing how little we really converse with God. How often do we spend the time to talk to him and to listen to him? We're instructed to pray unceasingly. How many of us actually do that? I think that's one of the problems is that we've conditioned ourselves, just like Pavlov's dogs, that we must have certain settings, certain times, places to talk to God. We have to be on our knees in a church or maybe at the bed, but only in the morning and maybe at night before we go to bed and so on and so on and so forth. This is the conditioning that's passed down to us from our parents and grandparents and even here at the church. Parents, if there is one thing that I could ask you to do with your children, it would be to stop that conditioning. Teach your kids to pray at all times, in all places, with all people. If someone gets hurt on the playground, say, let's pray. If you pass an accident in your car, instead of getting angry, invite your kids to pray for whoever was in the accident. When you have good news, they've got A's and B's, let's pray and give thanks to God. Teach your kids to pray each and every day in each and every way. They need to know the voice of God too when they grow up, even when they're younger. And just as they learn to recognize your voice, 
they need to learn to recognize the voice of God. And it's much easier to recognize that voice if we don't have to break our conditioning first. How about this one? When we pray for the gift of food, we only do it when we eat it. How about praying for the food in the stores? How about praying that we get to choose what to eat rather than what is provided to us by a pantry? How about thanking God for the money to be able to choose the organic selections over the regular selections? How about thanking God for my screaming, crying child who wants a treat in the middle of the aisle? I know that there were many mothers and fathers right now at CHKD and St. Mary's home who would love to have their children make that noise in a store. Not only to make that noise, but to identify with themselves and express their wants. By the way, a couple weeks ago, somebody asked me, why is it whenever a baby goes off in our church service, I break out in a grin? It's not because I'm commiserating with the parents. It's because I'm rejoicing with God. When we have a baby in our church that talks or cries or acts up or walks away from the parents, it's because that child is able to talk, able to walk, able to express themselves and identify things that they want. Many can't do that. So I see it as a blessing. That's why I smile. It's not something that bothers me. It's not something parents should be embarrassed about. It's something that we as a church family should rejoice in, that our kids are making noise, that they're here with us in church, and that we are not in an emergency room. It's something we can pray about with God. So you see, conversing with God is important because that is how you learn to recognize that God is speaking to you. You must learn to recognize his voice. Let me ask you, if I told you to go do what your mom tells you to do, how hard would that be? You would go to your mom and you would ask her what she wanted you to do. You would hear her voice. You would recognize that it's her voice speaking to you, and then you would go to do what she asked you to do. I know, I know, mom and dad, if it was only that easy. But that's still part of the illustration. They heard your voice, but now it's their choice to decide whether they're going to do what you want them to do or not. So the first step in discerning God's will is recognizing his voice. That is the hardest part of the process. And I hear somebody saying, but what if you can't recognize God's voice? I, I really don't know when God's talking to me. What am I supposed to do? Well, you go to the people that you know and trust, those that do recognize God's voice, and you ask them to help you out. Notice I said, help you out. And personally, I feel the more people you ask, the better. Here's the thing. If it's God's will, I believe there will be a plurality, can't say I'm with my teeth in, plurality 
there will be a group consensus, and most often a unanimous consensus. When I worked at the Mosaic campus when we had the monastery, I supervised 14 churches, and they almost always came to me with their bylaws and all this other stuff because they thought I knew what I was doing. And there was one church that absolutely amazed me because in their bylaws incorporated in legal code here in Virginia, it said that no decision would be put to the people until their leadership was in 100% agreement. I thought that was amazing. But the second part is what really got me. No decision would be passed without 95% of church membership agreeing to it. Now somebody said, well, that means 5% of the people control the church. And the elder's response was, not if you believe in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Think about the unanimous decision of a church to get behind a project or progress. Here in the ACNA, one of the biggest things that the province does is help us to know God's will in all walks of life, whether it's laity, clergy, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to ordination, well, there's a lot that goes on. First of all, if you feel that you're being called to be ordained, the first conversation you have with is with your spouse, maybe your kids, your parents, your family members. If you all agree that there might be something there, then you take it to your rector. If they agree, then you may take it to your parish discernment committee. If they agree, then a recommendation goes to the diocese, and then a diocesan discernment committee's made. Then after the diocesan discernment committee, it goes to the bishop. That's a lot of people helping you to find out what God's will is in your life. But here's the thing. Not one of those people are going to tell you what God's will is. We're only there to recognize what you have already determined. And in total, that's about 20 or 25 people helping you out and that aspect of God's will. But it doesn't have to be limited to just that type of decision. Keeping in mind, discernment is about others recognizing what God has called you to do, seeing what God's will is in your life. We don't call you, he does. And we just see that in you. But this process is done to ask others who recognize the voice of God in their lives to hear from him and see what he does in other lives. Because once you learn to recognize his voice, you will also recognize his works. We don't see this type of questioning a lot in the Old Testament, and there's a very big reason why. Everybody in the Old Testament already knew they were talking with God. So the argument wasn't what God's will was. The argument was, I don't want to do it. Or I can't do it. It wasn't, what do you want me to do? They all knew that. It's just, I'm not the right person. I can't speak loud enough. I don't have the right voices and words. I don't I really like those people, so I really don't want to help them out. But they all knew what God's will was. So 
for your individual knowledge of what God's will is in your life is if you're unsure, involve others. Go to those whom you trust and ask them to help you. Now for me, there are some general rules. I rule out things that are not of God. Makes it kind of easy. I'm trying to understand his will. Remember, we're to test the spirits in 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So part of my testing about God's will is whether whatever God's will is in my life, it will not go against his word in the Bible. This is the first big test. We recognize that the Bible is the word of God. We don't need to know or question whether it is. We know it is. Therefore, whatever God calls us to do will not go against his word. It will not go against his nature. For example, right to life issues. We know that God would have us not kill. Defense aside, okay? God believes in the sanctity of life. It is sacred. He made it. Remember? He called it very good. And he approved it before the baby was even formed in the womb. So if you feel that God's calling you to kill someone, we know that's not the voice of God. God will not ask me to do something that is not in accord with his word. Why? Because they're one and the same. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're trying to discern God's will in your life, go to the scriptures, read your Bible, Go to a thematic index in the back and see if the topic is even listed. If it's not listed, I'm not going to say that holds true for everything, but it will hold true that it will not go against the Word of God. So following the Word of God and His nature test for me is the fact that I know that God is going to push me, He's going to stretch me, but he's not going to go against my nature. Remember, he made me. I'm very good. Now, he may challenge me, but he's not going to go against my nature. And finally, whatever is God's will, it will involve building the kingdom. It will not damage the kingdom. It's not going to hurt it, and it won't seek to bring it down. Those are just a few of the rules that I use trying to discern God's will in my life. Now, this process is not just limited to God's will in my life or your life, but also in your family, in your work, even in your business, and even and the life of your church. Father Brian has been asking us to pray for the church, specifically for discernment for the past two years. Have you been doing that? 
I mean, have you truly been searching and seeking after God's will for Christ the Redeemer? Or if you've prayed, has it been much more of a, Lord, I pray for my church, thank you. Or, Lord, I lift up my church so we do whatever you want us to do, thank you. Do you really have time to take time with God to have a conversation with God over what he wants for this church? What he wants us to do is his family. Because don't we want to be his brother and sister and mother? Are we not his family if we do God's will? More importantly, what is your place here? No one is called just to sit in the pews each Sunday, though we do thank you. But that's not all you're called to do. We are called to be active in the church and to spread the gospel. Here is where that mother-child illustration comes into play. Remember where the mom told the kid what to do? And they chose not to do it. Do you do that with God? I would suggest that's probably not the case. I don't believe any of you would hear from God and ignore him or do the opposite of what he wants. But I would bet many of you don't even ask God because if you don't ask, then you're not going to be held responsible for doing at a later date. By not trying to discern God's will in your life, but to go about your normal day, not wanting to know what your place is in God's kingdom. I know, I don't have time between family and work. I don't have the knowledge or the education to serve in the church. I am not good enough to serve. I can't, I, 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 I. I thought it was about God's will. And therefore, you don't ask. Because if you don't ask, you can avoid it. I'm only going to say, think about Jonah. I don't read anywhere where he asked God what his will was for him. God just told him he chose not to do it, and look where that got him. The thing is, folks, if we don't put Christ in the center of our lives, somebody else pays. Husbands, if Christ is not at the center of your life, but work is, your wife and your children pay. Parents, if the children are at the center of your lives, your relationship will pay. But if Christ is in the center of your lives, everybody else will be blessed. Why? Because Christ wants you to love your wife, your husband as Christ loved the church. Because God tells us to take care of our children. To do something against them would be to put a milestone around our neck. So if we do God's will, all of these excuses, because that's what they are, will go away. God's going to want you to be blessed in work. God's going to want you to be blessed in your family. God's going to bless you for doing his will so that other people come to you and want to know, hey, how do you discern the will of God in your life? 
So with today's lessons and all the things I could have preached on, and let me tell you, you heard all the readings. There were a lot of wonderful little things I could have touched on. This is what God gave me. For whoever does the things God wills is my brother and sister and mother. So start by having a conversation with God on the regular, outside of your conditioning. Force yourself into a different place to talk to him. Be honest with him. Somebody says to me, you know what? All I want to do is scream at God. Go ahead. I do. He can handle it. Be honest with him. He already knows the truth anyway. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Like I said earlier, God's glad that you came here today to set aside your cares and to worship him. But let's carry it on after the service is done.